Hey there, everyone. Michael A. Bryan here from the Oracular School of Astrology with yet another question and answer segment where practicing astrologers bring me their questions and I provide them answers based on my astrological practice. If you're enjoying these Q&A segments and you'd like to work with either myself or an OSA certified astrologer, then by all means, check out our website where you can book yourself a high quality astrological consultation today. Also, I answer many of these questions and more in my book, Mastering Traditional Astrology, A Depth of Beginning in the Celestial Art, which you can buy a copy of on Amazon.com. Until now, it, um, the discussions were very technical, but now I, am, I, I want to introduce a, a kind of um, a new level of, um, uh, to, this, uh, um, to this discussion. And uh, I want to ask you, um, how can we stop ourselves from being impregnated by the client's feelings during a um, very intense session? Because sometimes I find that it is very, very overwhelming when dealing with the people's feelings. They start crying, they start, uh, they start laughing all of the sudden, they um, grab some pen and throw it uh, over the window. And, uh, <laughs> and I stood there and I, I tried to cope with uh, their emotions. And this is the question I'm asking. Um, what is your recommendation regarding this type of sessions and how can we deal with it? The question is, how can we create better boundaries within the context of practicing astrology? And how can we create a container within which we can interact with very intense astrological readings without ourselves getting overwhelmed by them and also without adding to the cloud of overwhelm that might be present within the context of that reading space? I think this is a really great question because before any of us were astrologers, we were human beings. And so there is a very large part of practicing astrology that directly calls upon our humanity to show up within the context of any reading that we give in order to hold and create a container for that work that we're doing while still acknowledging that we're doing that work with a human being. So astrology, on the one hand, can be a very cold and surgical and sterile subject because there is a way in which we can just read a chart and just read the chart and go through it as if we're going through a laundry list of details and completely ignore the person behind the chart or the person who wears that chart as their daily experience. And I've seen some astrologers do that. And I think it's a very reckless way to practice astrology because astrology isn't meant to make people's lives or their worlds feel smaller but it's meant to give people the freedom to fully express who they are within the predetermined framework of destiny. And so our reading for a client shouldn't be something that shrinks a person and that makes them feel isolated, alone, 
or as if they have no access to anything else. Our reading should actually show our clients all of the myriad pathways of access and possibility that are available to them within the context of their specific destiny, within the context of this specific lifetime. That's what astrology should do. Our primary goal in practicing astrology should be to practice the astrology itself. Within the last hundred years, astrology has shifted into being a counseling field. However, astrology has never been a counseling field. Astrology has always been a consultative field. And the difference between being a counselor and a consultant are huge. I remember when I was in school studying counseling, we did a semester on coaching. And I think myself and all of my classmates, we felt like the coaching was pretty stupid because we were like, why are we doing this coaching? It felt to us when we were doing the coaching as if we were already doing counseling. But when we got into the counseling part of our curriculum specifically, we realized, wow, these are actually two completely different spheres of human operation and how we engage with a client within a counseling session is quite different from how we engage with a client within a coaching or a consultative session. And the reason why astrology has always been a coaching or a consultative craft is because astrology has always been about helping people troubleshoot the issues that they experience within their lives, fix those problems, as well as take advantage of the possibilities for abundance that they have within their lives. So astrology has technically only ever had the purpose of helping people avoid calamity and take advantage of success. And neither of those two things has to do with holding space for a person or counseling that person. Because both of those things specifically has to do with identifying either the problem or the possibility and telling our clients how to work with either that problem or that possibility. That's what astrology does. And the other thing that the astrologer does is it gives clients a sense of timing. Timing surrounding when the problem will begin, but timing also surrounding when the problem will end. Timing surrounding when the possibility or the joyful, abundant opportunity will begin, and timing surrounding when that joyful, abundant opportunity will end. This is the purpose of why we practice astrology. And this is the purpose and the shape of what astrology has been for thousands of years. However, alongside the psychological revolution that took place within the early 1900s, we also found this larger revolution occurring within astrology. And the reason for that is because astrology always has to reflect the moment in human history where it is. So the point at which we started to desire to know ourselves in a deeper way from the perspective of what psychology has to offer was the same time that astrology reshaped itself into the shape of this particularly psychological subject. And as a result of that, it didn't mean that astrology changed from being a consultative subject, but it just meant that it took on more of a psychological air 
which is fine. It's fine that our astrology has moved us into a place that allows us to know ourselves in a deeper way. However, the challenge with that is that the astrologer began practicing or changing their consultative practice into a counseling practice, but they did not change themselves from consultants into counselors. And as a result of not changing themselves from consultants into counselors, they found themselves in this period of time where the astrology opened up more room for more of the raw emotional processing of people. But the astrologers didn't keep up in such a way, whereas they had the skills and the tools necessary to help their clients navigate some of those raw emotional spaces. And so at that point, and I'm saying this as if this were purely sequential, but we do see this sense of one thing evolving out of another within the development of this thread. So at that point, psychologists who were also practicing astrology and astrologers who were also practicing psychology decided that it was appropriate for them to create a new system of astrology, which they called psychological astrology. And psychological astrology was meant to equip astrologers with all of the tools necessary to navigate some of the deeper, potentially traumatic, very profound emotional sharings that their clients were having and that their clients were experiencing, as well as still giving them the astrology as their primary tool. So now the astrologer was no longer just a consultant. Now the astrologer was a counselor first and an astrologer second, because the counseling became the primary thing. I believe that this is a beautiful thing. And within the context of the course that I teach my students, I share with them within their final semester, many of the things that I've learned within my life studying counseling, studying coaching, studying consulting. I share those things with them so that they can have some framework for how to navigate themselves with their clients in that way. Because truthfully, the only time you need to learn how to navigate a counseling space with your clients is after you've mastered the foundations of astrology, as well as natal astrology, as well as predictive astrology. Because if you land on something within a person's chart that seems very challenging and that person has a very great emotional reaction to those challenges and you see those challenges coming up within the near future, you also need to be able to tell that person when that challenge will end. So it's not just enough for us to identify the challenges that occur within a person's life. We also have to identify when those challenges are going to come to an end as well. And to that end, we need to be able to practice natal astrology and predictive astrology together, which is why my students only get their professional astrologer's diploma after mastering natal astrology and predictive astrology, because there is no astrology that's just natal, despite popular belief. And many people do try to practice just natal astrology for fear of getting something wrong if they practice predictive astrology. But from the moment you look at somebody's chart and you say, I think this person is going to have a hot temper, 
you're already practicing predictive astrology because you don't know that person at all. When you pick up the chart of a baby and you say, I think this baby is going to be business oriented, you're practicing predictive astrology because that child has not yet lived enough life or has not yet gone through enough diapers to convince you that they have one business bone within their body versus having a fully artistic skeleton. So the point is, all of our astrology is predictive and Saying to yourself that you're only going to practice natal astrology because you don't want to take on the responsibility of practicing predictive astrology because you don't want to predict the wrong thing is a fool's errand because from the minute you practice any version of astrology at all and you pick up a chart and assume to know the story of that person's life without that person actually telling you, you're already practicing predictive astrology. So be that as it may, coming back to this notion of counseling in astrology. Because of the time period in which we are currently living, it's important for astrologers to also have some form of a counseling education. That doesn't mean that you need to go and do a bachelor's degree in psychology. That doesn't mean that you need to go and do a PhD in psychiatry. It doesn't mean that you need to do anything. What it means is that you need to align yourself with a course or a program or some form of intensive training in which you learn how to navigate one-on-one -on -one intimate space with people. And those tools are things you can learn in a six-month course. You can go to school for six months. Today, that could be on Zoom, that could be in person, that could be wherever. But you can learn the skills that you need in order to help people who have major emotional releases within the context of an astrological reading. However, when you do that, you do need to know that you're no longer practicing astrology because astrology is not a counseling field. There is no part of astrology that is built in a counseling model or on a counseling model because the purpose of astrology is to show you the good times, show you the bad times, and show you how to take advantage of the good times and show you how to avoid the bad times. That's really the purpose of astrology. The idiot's guide to astrology is that astrology is meant to show us our challenges, show us our possibilities, show us when the challenges are coming up, show us when the possibilities are coming up, show us how to avoid the challenges, show us how to take advantage of the possibilities. That's all astrology does. It doesn't promise more than that. So anything else we do for a client on top of that, from a counseling perspective, is no longer astrology. And that's okay. Because it's okay for us to know that we are astrologers who've also done a six-month training in life coaching. It's okay for us to know that we are astrologers who've also done a four-month intensive on developing counseling skills for people in the helping profession. All of these things which readily are available within the context of online education as well as in-person education. It's okay to be an astrologer who also does other things to help you augment and bolster your astrology. Back when I was practicing body work, Many people know that I'm a Reiki practitioner. I studied and practiced two traditional Japanese schools of Reiki. And outside of the Reiki practice, I wanted to have more licensing that actually gave me the ability to touch the human body. There is no licensing within Reiki that gives you permission to physically touch a human body. So there was this movement within the Reiki community around the year 2013, where many people who practiced Reiki started to go to massage school to become licensed massage therapists so that they could have the licensing necessary to be in human contact with their clients. And while Reiki 
as a pure subject and massage as its own subject are two completely different subjects, I don't think there was anything wrong with that. Because when you go to be a licensed massage therapist, you learn everything about the anatomy and the physiology of the human body. You learn what the organs do, you learn what the muscles do, you learn what the organs don't do, you learn what the muscles don't do. You get such a comprehensive education in anatomy and physiology that it would be remiss of you to continue having a Reiki practice without actually having that background knowledge because it doesn't hurt for you to be a body worker who knows more about the body. Similarly, it doesn't hurt for you to be an astrologer who also has counseling tools. The problem becomes when the counseling tools takes up more space within our astrological practice than our astrology actually does. And that should never be the case. Because if you are an astrologer, you are an astrologer first and you are a counselor second. So your main priority is to give that person an astrological session and to be able to pull on your counseling understanding should that be necessary. Should somebody need for that sort of space to be held for them, you should also have those tools as well. And there's nothing wrong with you going out and seeking out those tools for yourself. I don't think it's necessarily appropriate for us to think that that's something that we're going to learn from the places we learn astrology from. Because if you're learning astrology from a place, that place's primary goal is to make you an extraordinary, exceptional, world-class, five-star astrologer. And whatever else you do to augment that information will only further benefit you. As astrologers who practice different versions of astrology that impact various fields, we need to have knowledge from those other fields. How can you be a financial astrologer and not know about the financial market? How can you be a real estate astrologer and not know about real estate? How can you be a relocational astrologer and not know about just basic geography? How can we be fertility astrologers and not know about the female reproductive system? How can we be medical astrologers and not have some basic understanding of human anatomy and physiology? So if we want to show up within a person's life from more of a counseling perspective, then we need to have those skills. I think that there are some broad things that we can do within a reading that gives us space to not take on that responsibility, and it also gives our client space to not necessarily have those expectations. And I think the first thing that I do that I tell my students who are just going into natal astrology practice is to clearly lay out for your client what the scope of your practice is. When I was a young Iyengar yoga teacher and I moved back to the Bahamas, I thought I was the most brilliant thing since sliced bread because here I was, I had this world-class Iyengar yoga education. I was the only person in the Caribbean who had the sort of Iyengar yoga education that I had. And a big part of Iyengar yoga is called medical yoga. And I had physiotherapists who would come to some of those medical yoga sessions that I hosted in the Bahamas. And they said to me, Michael, you're brilliant at what you do. You have an understanding of the human body that's unparalleled for people within your specific field. However, you're not a doctor. And since you're not a doctor, you need to be mindful of the sorts of things that you say to people within these medical yoga classes because you need to be mindful of what the scope of your practice as being just 
an Iyengar yoga teacher is. And you might be just the only Iyengar yoga teacher within this neck of the woods, but you also need to be mindful of what the scope of your practice is. And so, as astrologers, we need to give our clients a clear understanding of what the scope of our practice is. And we need to lay it out from day one. We need to say, hey, I am an astrologer. Here are the things I'm going to provide for you. I'm going to talk about your natal story. I'm going to talk about the events that have occurred within your life that specifically have molded you into becoming the person who you are. Some of these events might be very deep and some of the things I might say might be very emotionally intense. So before I say those things, I'm going to check in with you first to see whether or not that's a safe topic for us to talk about. And if it doesn't feel like it's a safe topic for me to talk about, I'm going to give you the floor to talk about that topic within your own words, as opposed to me speaking that topic to life, if it's really that sensitive for you. Or we could avoid that topic altogether. We only have an hour-long reading. So within this hour-long reading, I want to provide for you these specific skills. And these are the skills I'm going to provide, nothing more nothing less. I think when we set that sort of framework up for our clients at the very beginning of a reading, that gives them the understanding of what to expect. Now say halfway through the reading they forget, because people do tend to forget what you said to them initially, especially when everything else you say to them is magical and oh my god, how can this even be possible? So people do tend to forget things as you go through. One of the things that you can say to that person, one of the things that I do actually, is I have a little alarm clock on my phone. And that alarm clock goes off when there's 10 minutes left or when there are 10 minutes left to the reading, that alarm clock goes off. This is something I do within my counseling practice when I was practicing in a purely counseling way. It's something I did within my coaching practice. It's something I've learned to do within all spheres of my one-on-one -on -one client work. I let my alarm clock go off when there's only 10 minutes left because even if, and I know this might seem a little bit harsh and probably even a little bit cruel, but if someone is caught up within the deepest state of an emotional outpouring and they hear an alarm clock goes off, it's kind of like being in a state of hypnosis and hearing someone snap their fingers. If an alarm clock, even if it's a dong, I have not a dong, a gong, even if it's a gong that you have as your alarm clock and that goes off, it does something that shake someone out of whatever was going on because it calls them back. And so I think that having an alarm clock is something that's a good thing because when it goes off, you take the time to turn it off and then clearly it's interrupted the flow of what was just going on. And you say to that person, thank you so much for sharing what you've said. I realize that that is a lot or that feels like a lot to really dive into. We're down to our last 10 minutes within our reading. How would you like to spend this last 10 minutes of time? When you let somebody know that you only have 10 minutes left, that also quickens something within that person. So no matter how deep in the hole they were a minute ago, it causes them to bring themselves back. And that's something that you learn in hypnotherapy when you're ending the hypnotic induction. You create very strong stages to bring that person back from how deeply you've taken that person because that person needs to be able to reintegrate into their day. So I'm saying these knowing that this isn't the correct container for me to be sharing any of these things because I would only share these topics with advanced students who are about to receive their diploma to go out into the world and be professional astrologers 
astrologers, but there are many things that you can do, not only within the context of your reading, but also within the context of how you organize yourself with your clients in general to not only gauge the expectations of your clients, but also to give you safe checkpoints within the reading to pull yourself back and also for that client to pull themselves back if you find that the reading has taken a turn that feels like one, it's going to go beyond the predetermined hour that you've established and that two, it's going to be a little bit too intense. And finally, if you've given a reading that was very, very intense to someone and you're down to your last 10 minutes, it makes sense to spend that last 10 minutes talking about positive, upbeat things that you either see within that person's chart or that you either have heard that person speak to you about, about their lives in general. You can take six minutes to talk about that and then you can take the last two minutes to close the reading. What does that look like? That can look like, wow, we've really gone into so much within your chart today. Within everything that we've done, what is something that really stands out as being the most positive part? of your life. What stands out for you as being the most positive thing you've learned from this topic that we've just spent so much time talking about? Because if someone is coming to you as an adult, there is going to be something positive, some gem, some jewel that they can extract from an experience they've had within their lives that has made them a better person. You give them time to share that, you spend the last five minutes of the reading expanding on that theme of positivity, expanding on that note of positivity so that the reading ends on a positive light. And what you would have done is you would have given somebody a means of coming back out of the hole because people do like to go in the hole. So you give somebody a means of coming back out of the hole. It's not that people like going into the hole. It's just that going into the hole is oftentimes a very easy place for people to slip, especially when they're talking about challenging parts of their lives. So you would have given them a means for coming out of the hole, but you would have also have stayed true to your hour long time limit. And you would have also ended on a positive note. So those are some tools and skills that you can do within the context of a reading. I know that was a lot. It might've been like drinking out of a fire hose, but hopefully within that something lands and something resonates with you that you can take and apply within the context of your astrological client work. It helps me very much. Thank you so much. Awesome. You are welcome so much. Hey there, everyone. I just want to say thank you all so much for the love and support that you've shown me in the months after the publication of my book, Mastering Traditional Astrology. If you have loved reading MTA and if it has deepened your astrological relationship and practice in any way whatsoever, then please leave a five-star review for us over on Amazon.com. As a self-published author, this would mean the world to me because the more five-star high-quality reviews we get, the more Amazon promotes the book to a wider audience so that more and more people can experience the magic that is mastering traditional astrology. Thank you so much for your continued love and support, and thank you so much for your dedication to this extraordinary field of astrology.